Hello and welcome to a new episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr, where we talk about the art and culture of running an independent record label. And today I have an interview with a record label called Flower Sounds. Now, today's interview is really unique. I think it's kind of a different format than we've done before because um, when I was when I was meeting with this label and I was doing our research, um, this label has, has attempted some really bizarre and exciting and fun and innovative ways to promote their records and to sell their records. And I think like the overarching theme of, of theme of this episode is to be adventurous and to be committed to selling the records and, and to finding listeners. And that's what this label does incredibly well. And so we actually just kind of tackle each of these different crazy things that they've done and uh, and we see the results. And I think there's so much for us to learn. If, if anything, the macro here is to be experimental with our promotions. Anyway, it's very exciting. Um, speaking of being a label, running a label, make sure you check out all of our books. Um, if you haven't recently, there's some new micro books, including uh, topics on vinyl pressing. Their micro books are just like smaller, single subject books, very, very, very similar to our micro courses. And the micro book, the other micro books that are out are art and design, music publishing, uh, sync licensing as well. You can check out lots of them. Just go to otherrecordlabels.com slash book. Just book, no S, just book, otherrecordlabels.com slash book. And uh, we also have like our marketing book that came out last fall. And what we talk about today kind of, um, you know, mirrors some of what is discussed in that book when it comes to trying new things. Yeah, so I, I want what I want to do today, like which is kind of unconventional a little bit, is I really want to go through this list that you sent me about some of the sure. crazy stuff that you've done, <laughs> and um, but but first, why? Like, you know, we're going to talk about like funding your label and and different marketing things, and I think our audience is going to love the opportunity to use you as a guinea pig and say, okay, you've done a podcast advertisement, was it worth it? Um, these are just the big questions because a lot of us chicken out from spending money and doing stuff like that, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. so to have someone like you who have wasted your money on our behalf, it's great. <laughs> um, before though, like what, like, what is it about your personality or your entrepreneurialism that, that you think to go outside the box and to take chances like that with starting the label and doing some of these weird promotional things that we're going to discuss in a minute. Well, do you want to talk? I uh, see you asked me about what kind of, what was kind of the start of all of this? Well, yeah, I mean, sure. You can start there. I'm just curious about your personality or like why, oh, like you. why you think, Hey, let's do some crazy stuff. I mean, we've got a <laughs> list here. Um, what, what is it about you as an entrepreneur that makes you go that direction? I think, um, well, so when I started Flower Sounds, I didn't, I wasn't really on the Spotify bandwagon yet. It was 2018. I didn't use Spotify. I wasn't really big on it. So I was kind of late to the Spotify game, I think, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. So then I think it was just trying to find, I think it was seeing how saturated everything is right now mm -hmm. and trying to, and by listening to your podcast, I'm a, I, First and foremost, I love music. It's my life. Yeah. But all I listen to is podcasts these days. <laughs> so a uh, lot of people are like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, funny. Uh, it's just like 
basically trying things out that might help anything that would be a different direction than what everyone else is doing. Yeah, yeah. So I think like, for example, when I finally did get onto Spotify, which was only like a year and a half ago, maybe it was 40, 60,000 songs a day were getting uploaded. And I think it's now it's like 100,000 yeah, songs yeah. That, as we record this episode. Um, so, and like, and I've seen in just that one year, it was much easier to get songs on Spotify and have it be heard. And then even trying out some of the things that I, that are on this list that I sent you, um, and, you know, spoiler alert, some of them didn't, I don't think really even worked out because of how saturated everything is at the moment, okay. or at least it feels that way, yeah. but we can get into the weeds of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you a side question, completely unrelated to running a record label. Um, are <laughs> when you get stuck in traffic, do you like veer off and take the side roads or do you just sit there and deal with it? I had to, when I was younger, I took, I had, I, when I was younger, I had to, uh, I got a lot of speeding tickets, so I had to take a driving course <laughs> and they did, and they did one of those forms we had to fill out yeah. kind of what kind of driver you were. Yeah. And weirdly, I was all of the above. <laughs> I feel like, uh, the- I, 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 it depends on, it depends on kind of where I am at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So if, I don't know. It 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 depends on the environment, I guess. If, if I'm gonna try to get off the exit and get back on and try to beat the traffic, yeah. it, it's kind of, it depends well, on like the universe in a way. I, I get that. <laughs> the reason I ask is it's like a metaphor for what you're talking about here. Is like I, um, even if it's not the right decision, I'll get out of traffic because I look at traffic and I think you're a bunch of sheep. You're just following the, the you know everybody else. And it's the same kind of thing for like pitching your song to Spotify or or just tweeting out we have a new album. It's like you're yeah. one of a million people on Friday. Why not do something weirder like knock on your neighbor's door and try to get them to buy a record? You know what I mean? So that's uh, that's kind of like that's the reason I asked that stupid question. So no, thank you. And and to I found that I'm, I'm a, I love your podcast a lot, and thank you for having me on. Thank and, you. And using using a lot of the interviews, listening to a lot of the episodes was kind of the, the idea to like try different things. Yeah. But, and like having, uh, I forget talking to some of the more major indie labels, like talking about multiple releases on the same day. So, okay, what if I do three releases on the same day yeah. and see what happens? Yeah. It kind of like, I mean, there's such low stakes in a way. And I, know. I, and I, so that it is fun to try stuff, but now actually funny. Well, I'll, we'll get to it sure. when we can ask me more individual questions. <laughs> well, okay, we'll we'll start there about the multiple releases on one day. But I get what you're saying because it ends up being kind of like buying a lottery ticket in, in that eventually you you may win or 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 something. But like, and I I think it's like what when you do these experimental marketing things, something might come out and it it becomes your your deal. I mean, speaking of the podcast, years ago we had a label on called Geographic North. And they they had this idea um, to release their tapes on Thursday night at like eight p.m. and and then basically anybody who was already had previously purchased from their rec, uh, from Bandcamp would get the notification like the night before the general public would find out about the album. And so 
that ended up becoming kind of their thing where like if you're on their mailing list or if you had if you're a previous customer you'd get a notification on Bandcamp ahead of everyone else and it really mattered cuz these guys were selling out pretty quickly so it they, it was completely experimental and it ended up becoming it worked so well for them it became their thing so uh, like hopefully some of the things that we're going to talk about in a second like some of them won't work some of them do work and it ends up becoming something special to you to the podcast listener, I'm nodding my head okay. very much. Yes, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's kind of the the ethos. I don't think Picasso said it, but you know, whoever said, uh, you know, talent is no wait. Hold on, let me take this over. Uh, yeah, I think I know where you're going. Talent, uh, yeah, talent is borrowing, but great artists steal. Oh, like right, all these great right, ideas. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, from wherever they come from. Right. Like I, I am, I am not at the point of the label you just mentioned, like my audience is slowly building, but I could see a point where a release comes out mm-hmm. and, and that if I know it's going to sell out, there are a few artists I work with that would sell out overnight. Yeah. I would, I could totally sure. do like a pre-sale That'd be for, for fans. That sounds awesome. Yeah. It's, cool. <laughs> it is a cool idea. So, um, let's get granular. Cause I think this is fun. We don't ever get to do this on the show, but like, um, three releases in one day, let's start there. That's, um, ill-advised. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to tell you my opinion before you tell me how it went, because I want to see, cause like, I just, I, I'm going to be the devil's advocate. I'm going to be like conventional wisdom here. So yeah. conventional wisdom is that, um, give every release its own day in the sun, literally. And yeah. um, and so, but I also can see the upside. So tell me how it went or and what was the impetus? So there is, if it's okay if I talk about each individual artist, yeah. it was three releases on the same day. It was a, an LA artist called The Lentils. And then the, the second release was a flower sounds compilation of international artists and local artists here in Western Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And then the third release was my own, one of my own bands called Icicle, which is all uppercase Icicle, lowercase L, no E. You'll see it when you see it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so the idea was that the Lentils, they have a following. They have a very cult following. He's yeah. a brilliant singer songwriter. Highly recommend checking him out. Um, and his, he had a new album, Budget Alchemy. And then kind of the idea was to take the, the heat or the fans of the Lentils and try to see if I can get the compilation, which had a bunch of artists that I work with in my Flower Sounds label. Yeah. And then also for my own personal, Smart. Uh, was the, the debut album of my, uh, one of my bands, Icicle. Yeah. So, it was kind of the idea. I, I had the release before. I worked with an artist named David Reese, who he's a he's an author, TV writer. He's a humorist. He has a, he has a podcast called Electric Election Profit Makers, um, and his album sold out in two hours. It was like wow. the best release I had up until that time. Wow! And this was the first release I had with the Lentil. So I had all this heat with one artist. So the idea of like, okay, I have a compilation of multiple artists. And then I have my own band. Can I piggyback off of the lentils? Mm-hmm. Now, what would have been, or let me backtrack. So Flower Sounds is whatever music is kind of, there's no, no limit genre. to, no genre, yeah. Okay. 
it's it's really funny too because just this week I had two separate uh, people contact me. One from Italy who played like soul funk, and one from California who was like a singer songwriter, like yeah. completely different genres. And totally, both, like sending me demos. So <laughs> I'm doing something very weird here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, so I had the release date in April for all three albums, and I think you're right. I it it was helpful because I did see like the listens. It did it did bring traffic to the to the it did it did bring traffic to my band camp which is where run off right yeah which is what i run the label off of um and it i did see a lot of plays on all three with the lentils having most of the traffic yeah okay um so it was very helpful but what what i wouldn't i think i would have just done the compilation and the lentils okay i think throwing my band icicle in because that's a more electronic band yeah and i and lentils is more like bedroom bob dylan Okay. It it I think if I focused it more, I think if I played it more to the Lentils fans, that would have been more a, a better move. Because um I guess now like this hindsight's so easy because I can see arguments yeah. <laughs> from both sides, but like I guess you could say like there is a possibility of overwhelming them to the the fans to the point of paralyzing them saying these are all cool, I'm getting none of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it, I think it was too much. I think I think focusing with the compilation because the compilation also has the lentils on it and some. It, it does cover everything from electronic to minimal piano to noise. Yeah, um, the compilation, which is called FLO Ten, it's the tenth release of the, right. of the album. Sorry, I have to promote my. That's my fine. Label as, you, as yeah, that's okay. You can. You can go ahead. And, uh, and, <laughs> it's your uh, time. Thank you. I appreciate it. And. Uh, so th- that would have been the smarter move in hindsight. Yeah. It was just focus on the two. And that, so now I'm on to this year, I've done um, a release by a new artist, Bobby. And then I love I that. I love that. Release. The acoustic guitar oh, on that record. So beautiful. It's so beautiful. They're a really young artist. So beautiful. Oh, and uh, we'll talk about Bobby maybe more later. Sure. Um, and. I now I'm doing trying to do releases every one to two months. Okay, and I'm finding that I'm finding that working better. Yeah, and continue. And I I think I do want to do the multiple releases on the same day, especially with a compilation. But this time, focusing more on maybe a similar genre or try like I I think I took the idea from maybe like Merge Records or. I forget which episode it was. It was an episode of your podcast with a major indie label having like two artists. Oh, uh, may- I think- maybe it was Warp recently. It could have been Warp. Oh, could have been Warp. And um, I haven't had Merge on, so it probably wasn't them. But who? Okay, uh, no, who has? Yeah, it was, it, with- I think it's Warp. It sounds familiar. If it was recent, um, but you know what? There's actually a label called Hotham from Vancouver, and um. We haven't had them on the show, but they did it recently on Twitter. They just dropped three tapes in one day. And I think it was just kind of like, I think one of the benefits too, tell me if this is right, is that you, um, it's a ton of effort for one day, but then it's all out as opposed to, you know, it's almost like consolidating your work. Yeah. And it, you know, it's really fun and exciting. And, and yeah. it, it is, it, that was the one bummer of it is that you, it was, 
juggling these three releases, having them on the same day. Yeah. Um, but it, it, I mean, it, this is all super fun and, and, uh, and you know, I, it, I find so much joy doing this. And yeah. Getting that's music awesome. out. Yeah. And, the th- and, and getting to the point now where, where, um, Sorry, you you edit out all the silence, right? <laughs> yeah, I do. I don't actually. I don't. But but go on. That's okay. People are just on the treadmill. Have, they got time. I I had my own podcast night. I always edit out all the ums and all the. Oh yeah 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 yeah. That's <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad they get, they well, get this, to hear my my brain in, in action. <laughs> I, I was just thinking about this release date thing, and we'll move on. But um, sure. I, what I think is you know, I've talked about on this show a lot is the importance of post-release day. And so really it shouldn't matter if you release all three on one day, it shouldn't matter if it goes well or not, because you're supposed to keep working on those records afterwards. Exactly. And and what's really helpful is getting reviews out of the records. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, absolutely. I, I find that's been really helpful too, is, is exactly. Yeah. Uh, but that is that is a tough thing. Like um, that is something I'm still working on post release. It's and, hard. Uh, but I, you do find it is interesting to find, like whether it be on Reddit or if something comes up and you have the YouTube video and you can send it somewhere. Or mm-hmm. for example, again about the lentils, um, I'm a big fan of Office Hours Live, and they had King Tough who is a, he's on Sub Pop. Mm-hmm. He's a really great artist. He's from Brattleboro and the Lentils, Luke Chesek, he's also from Brattleboro. So I, I know Luke and I know uh, Kyle King Tough. So I went on, um, on Office the, Hours on Live. The live yeah. and, I, and I, while King Tough was on, I was like, hey man, like, how's it going? Hey, you know who should be on the show is the Lentils. Uh-huh. <laughs> and like, so you know, there's definitely times if you if you are working closely with your artists, where you know you know you know in your head when you can like take a moment to like promote promote yeah. the artist where it might work out, and and that's a that's a podcast they have you know hundreds and thousands of streams, yeah, and that was a really good opportunity to get, and and that was a perfect example of people who like King Tough will like the Lentils as well, right? So it worked right. out really well. That's awesome. So take take me back to the beginning. Starting this label, um, tell me the story about like selling your record collection. What it, what happened there? Totally. Uh, so, yeah, I was. I thought we would start here first, but this is fun. We go all um, over the place. Oh, <laughs> unpredictable. I love it. Um, this came out of my obsession with Discogs. Okay. And I I I always bought records. So I moved to New York City in like the mid two thousands. And I just always was surrounded by friends who bought records and worked at record stores. And while living in New York, I just would go digging like every weekend mm-hmm. all the time on my time off. And I just accrued like a pretty, pretty sizable record collection. And then I realized I have too much. And uh, I like before I moved out of the city, maybe like around t- 2011, I sold a significant amount. And I, like, I made so much money, I, like, bought a ticket to New Zealand and went to New Zealand for a while. Oh, my god! And that was, like, the first time I, like, flipped my collection a little bit. Yeah. And then, but I always kept buying. And then... Sorry, let me just I, inter- interject here. This is because you bought in the early 2000s before, like, 
some of these records, people realizing how rare these records were, right? So they appreciate it. Am I right? Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of all about being at the right place at the right time. Like mm-hmm. the the vinyl, I was a little bit ahead of the vinyl uh, resurgence, but then again, like with my label, I don't think I was like early to the cassette. I mainly sell cassettes yeah. no, and no, put no, up sure. stuff digitally, and then, like I was kind of like about being right place, right time. Like I, you know, I don't, I'm not some magician. I'm not always <laughs> <laughs> doing that. Yeah, but uh, so then like um, so you buy a ticket to I New forget- Zealand. That was just the first time I... Sorry, my cat's here. That's all right. <laughs> um, so that was like the first time I like flipped my collection and like saw that that kind of like there's like hobby investing. Like, yeah. oh, like, like maybe I spent all my money on records, but they're worth something and I can sell them later for... It's kind of like, you know, playing the market in a way. Yeah. It's funny too. Like, like I bought Kanye records. as And as we record this, like, like those... I. I don't think those are going to sell. Right. Like, right. So it's interesting, like how having a record collection is almost like hobby investing. Like there yeah. is a marketplace for it. Yeah. So I discovered Discogs about 2017, and I was like, it was so much fun. <laughs> I categorized my whole label. My sorry, I categorized yeah. my whole collection, and in, in like. And when you're like a record nerd or a music nerd, you know where you were when you had when you bought each record. Yes, I yeah, I hundred percent agree. <laughs> it, it it took time to like categorize it all. It took like a while. Yeah. And then I had it all there and it was like, well, I don't really want this record. It's worth fifty bucks. What if I sell it? This seven inch I don't care about. It's worth yeah. sixty bucks. So then I started flipping the I started flipping all these uh records that I wasn't so much into anymore. And I started putting all this money into PayPal. <laughs> so there I was at the post office, and I see another guy who's holding a you know cardboard mailer. He's, yeah. he's mailing a record, and I just like went up to him. and was like, "Hey, man! Like you sell you selling stuff too?" He's like, "Well, I'm actually uh, like I, I work for this guy, this musician." I was like, "Oh yeah." He's like, "Yeah, this guy Dave Bigsby." And uh, yeah, I was like, well, where are you mailing this record to? He's like, oh, Australia. He's got a big... <laughs> so I, I live in a small town in Western Mass called Greenfield. So I'm talking to this guy. He's mailing this record from an artist I never heard of to Australia. And he's got a big following. So we started chatting more. Is this guy, Derek. Derek Hart is his name. And he's kind of like the he's kind of like the unofficial official manager of this guy, Dave Bigsby. Yeah. So then I go on to Discogs. Who is Dave Bigsby? He has a thousand dollar record on Discogs, and wow. that's like a that's like a big deal, you know. Wow. So Dave Bixby is this guy. Really interesting story. You could do a whole podcast episode on him. In the late '60s, he lived in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and he got way into acid, like so much so he, he like, as the legends say, he lost his mind. So then he joined a cult in Grand Rapids. I forget the name of a cult. There's a book all about this. Okay. And he got sober. And it was a Christian cult. So he made this, like, it's called Ode to Quetzalcoatl. And I recommend everyone checking it out. Um, it's, and it's now like a cult record. Yeah. I, don't, I don't own a copy of, of, this, yeah. of this record. Um, it's like a collector's item. Sure. So he, owned the, so he joined this cult, got sober, and like wrote all these songs about how he destroyed his mind and body. And it's really dark and moody. Yeah. And um, recently he got, uh, a couple years ago, Aesop Rocky sampled him. Oh. So he got like 
on Spotify now, he has like, you know, hundreds of thousands of monthly listeners. Yeah. And, and the, you know, he's, he's, he's in a, like a, like a top tier of, yeah. one, of like, he's, he's technically the, the biggest artist I work with. So then, you know, this was 2018. And I look at his discogs and there's no cassette of Oda Quetzalcoatl. And, you know, his represses are running for like 40 bucks. And at the time, I just discovered cassettes. Right. And the two labels that really struck me was Spring Break Tapes and Patient Sounds. I don't think either of them exist today. And what was cool about Spring Break Tapes, my buddy um, was on it. And I saw this cassette. And, and I don't know how old you are, Scott, but I'm 40. And when I was younger in the 80s, cassettes were the ugliest <laughs> things. Like, like aesthetically, yeah, yeah. like... Like a cassette had all this writing on it. You open the J card; it's like ten pages long. Yeah, it was like weird. nothing about a cassette is like aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. And then here was this thing that we're like the Spring Break tape of my buddy um, Alex. Oh my god, I'm blanking on my my friend's name, but uh, <laughs> my buddy Alex, and um, he goes by Power Mystery, and uh, the cassette was like gorgeous. It had a, a photo that he took in Colombia. I never saw a cassette like that. It was my first introduction to like the cassette re yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Resurgence. resurgence. Yeah. And then like I was like, oh my God, who else is doing this? And then I saw I found patient sounds. I think they're out of Chicago. And like they had their you could probably find their back catalog. Again, like gorgeous J cards. Everything was in the same kind of universe. Yeah. yeah. And the same kind of aesthetic. Yeah. And and it just like clicked. It's like what if I put out this guy's Oda Quetzalcoatl on cassette? And so I asked Derek and I like, and I contacted Dave, um, Dave Bigsby has a long story. He, after the cult disbanded, he became a sailor. He was stranded on a desert Island. This guy's worth Googling. Yeah, for sure. And then, and then uh, a music journalist found him in, just in Arizona. He lives, he lives there now. He's, he's playing music again. And um, he's probably he's probably in his seventies now. Um, so I, through a series of talking to Dave Bigsby over the phone, we worked together and we released his uh, Oda Quetzalcoatl on cassette for the first time, and that was the first Flower Sounds release. Wow! Which I got. I know. I gotta tell you, like as a as a like record nerd and music nerd, to have that album as my first release felt so good. Yeah. Because it's like here, like <clears throat> here is the thing that. Here is an album that is to record collectors like means a lot, right? And like, and so like now I'm already like, you know, justified as a as a as a music label in a way, yeah. Because I put true. this out, yeah. Because I, you know, it's funny. I'm sorry if I'm rambling. No, it's but good. I think I think this is true for people. I really wanted to be helpful to people who are starting out labels. That's why I enjoy this podcast so much. And like, I've never. When I hear imposter syndrome a lot, I was mm. like, what is that? Like, you know, I don't really get that. <laughs> and, I, and I realized early on when I was selling cassettes, feeling that imposter syndrome with like people would buy a cassette early on. And I'd be like, oh my God, like, this isn't real. I should send them two cassettes. Like, <laughs> yeah, like you know, I, like, yeah. I just felt so like, yeah. like, like, like I'm a fake, I'm a fraud. Yeah. And, and, um, and it, and that did wear off after a while, but it, but definitely, like it was nice to have a release like that 
and, and and like we were talking, I think you wanted to ask me questions about like how to, uh, you know, how to stand out, kind of. And 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 I think that there is ways to find music that hasn't been released in certain formats where you can. Yeah, that's and, a and great I, idea. I, I do have ideas that I can't share with you that I am scheming. Sure, but there's there's definitely avenues that you can find to release music that hasn't been released. Yeah, and we can talk more about that as well. well. And like this was this was a perfect example of putting a cassette out of a of a of an album that was like a collector's item that hadn't been on a cassette yet. Well, I think this emphasizes what I talked about last um, last week at uh, on the sh- podcast at the time of recording this when we were talking about unfair advantage. And it's like you are a Discogs fan, fanatic, and you're selling these records, and then you meet this guy at the post office, and your unfair advantage is kind of having this insight into the world of collectors. And so, for and that, so you kind of like reissuing this rare item on cassette was like scratching your own itch. And, um, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best way to start. I couldn't have asked for a better way to start. And, um, it was, it was really, I had to find someone, I had a shout out to Cat Woods, who was my friend's sister, who had to help me out with the, with Photoshop. I, now I've had to buy Photoshop and teach myself how to use it to right. keep up with stuff. Yeah. But like, you know, yeah. How does the, the importance of the aesthetic of the cassette and like to work with the artists, make sure that it's correct. How did that because release was, do? I mean, really, I'm so here's the really funny thing of talk. So I was obsessed with discogs and like record collections. That's where this all started for me. Yeah. It wasn't so much about I would I would look at discogs and I would think, oh man, like I want to create something on there. I, if my if I have a label on there, I want to have a million releases like Warp Records yeah. or yeah. or uh Matador. And uh Sorry, what was the question? I got too excited. Uh, uh, how did the, no, it's okay. How did the Bigsby record do the tape when you released oh, it? It did great. And so the silly thing I did was I was sending, being a record nerd, I just sent copies to all the record stores that I loved. Okay. For free. Right. I just I sent them to Academy in Brooklyn, to Waterloo in Austin, Texas. Of like, this, a, I had of this tape. I, I sent them free copies of 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 this tape and and uh Dave Bixby had a second one called Harbinger Second Coming and I sent them my own because I thought it was more important to me that record collectors and music collectors who are snobby yeah. have my stuff in their collection. Yeah. And that is not how I feel anymore. Okay, so you that, why do you regret that? I regret that because that's that was kind of the latest way to look at record at music collecting. Right. Like I I was so caught up in like the collectability and the the um scarcity right created by having so my label only does 100 100 copies right so you gave Which, away just inventory that you could have sold to normal that fans. i could have yeah. sold and yeah. like yeah. now so a cassette a cassette i mean prices are are like doubled since 2018 when i started 5 years ago so uh that you know that cassette that i would was selling for five bucks, then ten bucks, then fifteen dollars. Mm. Like I, I gave away free stuff that could have yeah. financed more releases. Because yeah. not this isn't about making money. This is about keep going, creating yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep, exactly yeah. keep going. And the hope one day is to put out vinyl, but I think that's going to be really far off. <laughs> so, 
So did you, um, so you sent these tapes to these stores. Um, how many of them like said, gee, thanks. I'm, we're going to sell these. And how many of them just ignored you? That's the thing. I, that was, and again, I, I am kicking myself because yeah. yeah, I got no feedback back. I, I don't live. I, I send them to cities. Some of them I live far away. Mm-hmm. It was more, and I just gave them a note. Like, I love your store. Here's some cassettes. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and like, I don't even know, like I was hoping that even the people who were working there would just take them. Like oh, okay. I, I just kind of sent them to them. Yeah. No, I know but, what you mean. Yeah. And like, and I think I had like an elitist view of, of owning collections and I don't feel that way anymore. Yeah. I, re- I much rather like give a tape to someone for free than someone already has everything in their collection having yeah. another thing. Like I, 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 my feeling on it has changed. And I, yeah, I do regret that. I, it, was a, it was a silly thing that I did. One of my many silly things that I'll just try. And like, but definitely my, my ethos has changed about how I view music collecting. And now I'm just, now I'm more, now I'm more about working with artists and trying to help out artists than to like create flower sounds for my own ego or something. I think it's something, I think it's something that all of us would do and it's all of us have done in our own way. So I don't think it's silly in any way. And I imagine, (laughs) I imagine, cause I mean, I would still do something like it. I've still like sent a record to somebody just because I hope, that they'll fall in love with it or they'll tweet about it or something. You know what? No, you're totally right. And I, I, I agree with that too. I think that that's the thing too. If you're, that's the thing I was having fun earlier and now I do see it as a way to help artists. Yeah. So I, I, my, my focus has changed now. I, I think I agree with you. If, if you have someone that you have in mind, if you do have a connection with someone in the industry and you want to yeah. send them something, absolutely yeah, do yeah. that. That's very smart. But I think, yeah, doing what I did, just sending it to record stores that I like, I mean, maybe something happened out of it, but I have no way of... Yeah. Of, yeah. of Yeah, I no, I had no one responded to me. But I wasn't looking for a response either. Yeah. It was just like a silly thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, talk to me about promoting through uh, a weed delivery service in New York City. What does that look like? Where did that idea okay. come from? And how did it turn out? So I have to correct it. I, I was kind of nervous talking about this, but I think we can. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't deliver weed. They delivered uh, something else that was psychedelic and not very legal in New York City. Oh, okay. Okay. So, okay. So my uh, someone that I know <laughs> works at a uh, a legal delivery spot. Sure. In in the city, and this was um, this was very helpful. We got on there. Uh, so when you ordered from them, they sent you a text, mm-hmm. and we got on their text for Spotify. They sent a Spotify link, and that was incredibly helpful. What? Um, and so this was with my band Icicle. Uh, uh, and, and so they have like a mass text that they for all their so clients. So when you order from for, when you order from this uh, service, well, like, yeah, well, <laughs> delivery service. They can be delivering anything, yeah, right? Pizza anything. or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Go on. Sometimes, sometimes mushrooms is the yeah. topping. Sure, pizza. of course. Uh, so, and this is perfect because Icicle was electronic music, and kind of, and we're kind of in the Apex Twin Warp, Warp Records again. Uh, I, well, actually, funny enough, I have a story about Warp Records. I'll get to later. 
but um this this was like a perfect harmonious thing yeah. and we we got on there when you order from them you got a text with a bunch of information and they said oh do you want some chill music to listen to and we got on there and that was extremely helpful how do you we know it was a, like why was it extremely helpful because it was the debut album of our of our album and it was honestly the biggest promotion we had because we all of a sudden we had you know hundreds of listeners yeah where you know i don't think i don't think of my own promoting and and flower sounds isn't at the point yet where if i drop a release i'll get that kind of heat. i understand yeah i mean it's slowly i the nice thing that's been really fun is that i'm slow by by continuing to do this label yeah i am seeing things trickle up um oh that's amazing yeah, that was a really fun, that was a very fun and different thing. And then also we, so here was one thing that we also did that was with the delivery service was we printed out download codes okay. through Bandcamp. You get the free. Yep. Um, yep. So we, I personally printed out and cut these and mailed them and they got delivered with the product. Yeah. Um, but that, that one you could track and it wasn't as there's so many steps for them to take yeah, it, that, go to their computer. That, so that was probably like $50 to do to like print out these download codes. And there wasn't like a ton of downloads that came out of that. Right. But it's, it was like a physical, it was almost like a flyer in a way. Yeah. And, but definitely I, by tracking the, by having the click of the link to the Spotify, that was really helpful. Well, so, because if they have Spotify, it's on their phone. So if they get exactly. a text, it goes right. It starts playing immediately. It's completely it's frictionless. So convenient. Yeah. yeah. Weighs your thing. I think, I think download code was like kind of more, it's, I don't think they, I think it's like hanging out, handing out a flyer outside of a store. It's just people will just toss it, you know? Oh my gosh. I, yeah. I, I would. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't think I would do that again. No. Just sending download code. Now here's the thing where download codes work great is when, I do have a sale and I will definitely put a free download code in, in the album. Oh, sure. It out. Oh, sure. And even when people yeah. tweet them, um, I think when you see a tweet, 50% of the time you're at your computer or perhaps on your phone, but you can at least copy it. Like you might be able to do it through the app, but like at least you're at your computer. Whereas in this delivery service, they get a piece of paper, they're at the front door they're going to go right to their computer or they're, you know what I mean? It's, um, oh, absolutely, it's very yeah. slim, but that, that, um, Spotify text idea, that's awesome. That's really cool. And so that, and how did you know that they listened? Like you just saw numbers go up. I saw numbers go up. Yeah. yeah. And that, that was, it, that was the only promotion we had for the album period. Right. So, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't know that many people. <laughs> Have you thought about looking, doing that again, maybe with that service or with other, like people who have access to text, like, cause one of the smart things about that was not just like the, um, the medium that you use, which was text, but the smart thing was that your music fit that customer base based on yes. what you know about people who like pizza, um, right. <laughs> specifically mushrooms. That, that, now, luckily I had a, a bandmate. I didn't really orchestrate this. I orchestrated the download codes, but yeah. the, the band made an icicle did, and it, it was a perfect. Um, it just it was so perfect. I don't know how to. That's a hard thing. That's kind of right place, right time. That's kind of just working your connections. Yeah, which you know is another idea. But you know, 
if if uh, living living in New York City, which is I recommend to everyone, you you learn things that like you have to just take every opportunity you can get when you're yeah. trying to work on something. Yeah, and that and that if you're given an opportunity in life or a privilege, sometimes you just got to use that opportunity and privilege and just just go for it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, you just you, it, everyone's trying. So you you take what you have and you and you go. Any connection you have, like some of the some of the ideas that I have that I won't be sharing today, you have to you have to think of when to when to strike. But you know, if I, for example, David Reese, the the art the artist I work with, his cassette sold in two hours. He has he when he was on Twitter, he had a lot of like thousands of Twitter followers. So. I had a friend who knew him and I, I, and I, he, David Reese made a mashup album like a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking so funny, these same things keep coming up. He made an Apex twin Taylor, Taylor Swift mashup album. Oh, okay. And I was trying to think of artists I could work with that, that I could bring something new to flower sounds. And I, and I thought, Oh, this mashup album is really cool. I don't care if it's copyright material. Why don't I contact this artist? So I went through my friends, Rob and Paloma, who put me in contact with him. And this is during the pandemic. And once you know it, David Reese is making a noise album. Yeah. So then we started talking, we worked together and we put out his album. And like, I had a connection to this person who's quasi famous. Yeah. And I use that connection to make something happen. And I'm so happy too, because what he's, I'm a huge fan of it. I'm a huge fan of all of his work. And here was someone that I, I knew something, I, I had a feeling that there was something there. And I had a connection to this person and I just went for it and it worked out. Let me ask so you about this, the idea of like this kind of this compound interest in, into your label, because now assuming you sell records on Bandcamp, now those hundred people who bought that tape that sold out, they're getting notifications about your other releases. Is that becoming beneficial? Yes. So, I'm challenged. So with flower sounds, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like a real, you might not, your listeners can't see me and I don't, I don't look like it, but I'm like, I'm a very hippie kind of, kind of, <laughs> I live in the woods. I'm, I'm a pretty silly guy. And, um, I wanted to, I kept, you know, I want to put as many things on my Discogs page as possible. I want to release as much stuff as possible, yeah. but I don't always have the money to release cassettes. So I, I had, so, okay. So, so an artist in Japan, contacted me uh, and he sent me a demo of his stuff and he his stuff was really cool but I he like sent me a lot of stuff and all of it was like together and I thought well what if we put out a single so then I thought of the idea well what if we do like a solstice series he had, he had a song mm. about like the spring mm. and I was like okay well, let's put this song out on the equinox on yeah. spring so then that made me think, well, what if I put out a single every equinox and every solstice? So now I have the Flower Sound Solstice series. Right. So I now have to force myself four times a year to find a song or a single, put it out for top, meet an artist, talk to them, put it out for free, work with them with artwork and, yeah. Yeah. and choosing a song. And that's just a way to continue to release stuff, to continue to, to, give content to people on Bandcamp to mm-hmm, the phone. Mm-hmm. Just you have to continually, continually yeah. release stuff and like push yourself to like do it. And it's been great too, because some like it, 
I don't always have the next release. So sometimes I have to hustle to find that release. Yeah, good and for I'll, you. And I'll, re- and I'll reach out to friends and like, I have a friend, Victor Senor, who's an amazing jazz musician. He has nothing put out. And it's like, okay, let's put out a song, man. Just, yeah. just choose one. Let's do it. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's fun to challenge yourself to continue to have releases come out. Yeah. No, that's great. And, and I, 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 what I see it as is like I'm experimenting with that too. And it, it's like there's something about just like stoking the fire. And, it, you know, if you go dark, and I'm thinking like as an independent artist as well, not just a label, but if you go dark for six months or a year, you know, if you have like, if you take the traditional album cycle, then you have to kind of like, it takes a little bit more work to wake up your followers. And some people will unsubscribe from you if you're not active. Whereas having something new come out every month, uh, or even more than that, um, like, I don't find that like any sort of diminishing return, like exactly, which where some people will go, Oh, I'm going to overwhelm my audience. Um, especially as for independent artists, I don't see that happening. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no, um, in this day and age with all the content, I don't think, I think it's, it's quantity over quality, honestly. I totally agree. And, and it's, it's funny. And like, I, it's also like, I, so I, my name is John Sheena. I'm a solo artist. It took me four years to put out my first album. I worked on it so hard. Huh. And like, that was so silly. I wish I just like made it and put it out yeah, and then yeah. worked on the it next moved thing. On. Yeah, yeah. This is something I've learned with my age. And that I, I think yeah, not being precious, I think it, exactly quantity over quality. There's a great quote too. It's like, quality changes, but quantity doesn't. <laughs> like right. you know, quality, quantity yeah. stays the same. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, like quality is subjective, but quantity isn't. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and and like there's probably some um listeners right now who are who aren't loving that concept, but especially, you know, uh the artist 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 type. But um I think like obviously quality is there and you know, quality ideally it's quantity and quality. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't put out crap. Yeah. 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 But I mean, I like if you had to pick one, I I think um, if it meant if you were to pick quality over quantity, and that meant that you were only releasing something every three years, then yeah, no, no, that's not great. No. Only only certain people. I mean, if you're like the avalanches and you put out an album every fifteen years, or like right, like you know, exactly. if you're a certain caliber, they, but. You're, if you're not there, you can't do that. Yeah, yeah, you can't <laughs> think that you're there. Um, you know, yeah. you know what's so nice too, and this is kind of another ethos. There's a the great book, "Please Kill Me: The Oral History of Punk Rock," and there's a big thing I took out of that with the Ramones. Now, I think this is for any artist too, or or kind of the attitude. Like, anytime someone would ask the Ramones, "Oh, how'd you how'd you make it? How'd you break it? How'd you get big?" They said, "Oh, play shows, play shows, yeah. play shows, play shows." So I, th- I think, and. Of course, qual- the quality has to be there, but I think it's the idea of like of the quantity of forcing yourself to see what you can release. You don't always have to have a physical release. It could be digital. You can put out singles. Well, um, in the yeah. case of that band, in the case of the Beatles as well, it was the quantity that created the quality. It was because yeah. of the quantity that, that the quality arrived later. 
And there's famously very bad Beatles songs. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so real quick before we go, tell me about the um, the podcast thing because well, just going back to this delivery service and the idea of like knowing that the people who are buying product X are are also going to be fans of electronic music. Um, that can that theory can parlay into a lot of other things, and so especially in the podcast world where there's like niche podcast themes, it's like I bet these uh, listeners of this topic will be fans of XYZ type of music. So um, tell me what, what what happened there. Well, so I think, so uh, David Reese has a, the artist I work with, he has a podcast, really funny, he's an amazing guy called Election Profit Makers, where there's a website called Predicted where you can bet on election results. Okay. And uh, it's like, it's a culture podcast it's about politics, it's about a bunch of stuff. Yeah. But really it's like the two hosts it's a really, it's really entertaining. Um, so they, as a kind of like while riffing, they're like, "What if we took ads?" Yeah. So I, I immediately, because I, because I have David's email, I was like, "Hey, I'll put an ad out." Yeah. Um, and I, I, it, I put the ad out on. It's an election-focused podcast, <laughs> and we did an ad in January of. 2022 for American listeners, like there's like this is the most dead time, right? To have nothing going on. Yeah, okay. So I think I will do it again, but maybe closer. Oh, okay. Date. Yeah, yeah. And, and did the host read like the copy? Yeah, it's yeah. Okay. And I put uh, we put David's music behind it. it the, the copy, the ad was great. It was really fun. It was yeah. the second ad they ever did on their podcast. Yeah. And uh, and um, the thing, the the funny thing is that. With um with David Reese's album in particular, like the when he released it, he 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 was talking about it on his podcast. And he he's also a big uh, he loves guitar pedals. Okay, it's like he talks about them a lot. Yeah. So the when his album was coming out, he was promoting it on on his podcast and on twi- on on his Twitter. Um. So it was kind of like there wasn't any like heat. So this ad kind of like was a little a bit cold, I think. Yeah. But I would I totally, see. I think the interesting thing about podcasts is we're recording this episode and this episode is going to come out, come out at some point, mm-hmm. but then it's going to be in your library forever. Yeah. It's, so it's yeah. like, if, if I was to buy another ad spot on another podcast, make sure that you try to line it up with maybe an episode that will be listened to more. Like the lentils, when I called in, on uh, Tim Heidecker's podcast, Office Hours Live, for King Tough, people are going to go back to listen to that King Tough episode. Right. And then they'll always hear the lentils being talked about with King Tough. Right. So that was like a perfect example of like when to right. try that, right. when to call in, when to it's kind strike. Of evergreen a little bit. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. that, was, that was like one of the most smartest things I've done as a, to promote, I feel <laughs> like. It was like reaching a target audience yeah. and like, Here's this other artist. Yeah. That they're friends and they know each other. And yeah. like, if you like King Tough, you'll love the lentils. Like, it's a no-brainer. Some of these ideas are kind of, um, they require you to have like, uh, like to put your pride in the back seat and to like, like to text a bunch of people who are not expecting to receive music 
You know what I mean? Like I, I think a lot of us would be scared to do some of these things that you've done. Is that your personality? You don't care. You're like taking chances like that. Um, I, I, I find all this so much fun. Like, like, so there was a moment when someone was talking about a lentils release and they were excited about the new album. I was like, yeah, that's me. I'm putting it out. And like, and then realizing like, Oh, like this is a thing that it, like that imposter syndrome I was talking about earlier. Like yeah. I have now created something that does exist. Yeah. And that like, it's, it's really fun where like, you know, in the past I promoted myself or my, or a band I'm in. Yeah. But now I get to kind of like, exactly not have an ego about that and just like it's more for the love of everything like what like when if you ever have the i've never been you know i was i've been a musician trying to make it in the in the in the music world mm-hmm. and then it didn't really happen for me but i have friends who have mm-hmm. and like i feel like their victories are my victories like when awesome. i see someone you know on when i see someone on pitchfork or on tv or on a, or on an ad or you know it's yeah. like you know, I'm I'm happy for them, and like, and just to kind of be a part of that ecosystem is just really fun. And to like, to love an artist, and to put like, I really, really love the Lentils a lot. So to to share my joy of that music with other people is kind of what drove me to like, man, if 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 Tim Heidecker really this if this guy I love Tim Heidecker really would listen to the lentils, maybe he would get into it and he could start spreading the gospel of yeah, the lentils. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like trying to like, you know, get everything out there well, in the world a, that you like. That's a really beautiful way of looking at it. And it's kind of really boils down the concept of the record label uh, and the new record label that we promote. But like I think that is a really beautiful way of looking at it because I don't love to promote my own stuff. And when you pr- promote your own stuff on Reddit or on a message board, you usually get kicked off, right? Because you yeah. spam, self-promoting. Yeah. But when you're promoting someone else, there's high more, there's way more tolerance for that on those boards because it's coming from a real place of fandom. I mean, I've been, I've had some stuff on indie heads been taken down because it's my label, it's an artist on my label. But I, I think you're right. Like, I feel way less shame because I'm. I'm actually a fan. <laughs> totally. Can, can I give you one more quick story? I'll yeah, try yeah. to be quick. Um, the artist Bobby was the asterisks between each letter. Yeah. Um, I saw them play here locally in Western Mass where I live, Western Massachusetts. And I immediately was like, oh my God, I love this. This yeah. is amazing. And like reached out to them immediately. We put this album out. And like, this is working with an artist who has no, they didn't even know who Discogs were, you right, know? Sure. And I, I'm like, I'm being the, the old man music nerd yeah. who's like telling them all about it. And like, it's been so much fun now to work with, you know, working with the Lentils, they they do have a, a fan base, but now I'm working with a newer artist with like more obscure. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I put their cassette for sale on my Flower Sounds, ba- my Flower Sounds band camp. And then all of a sudden, they're having sales in Washington and Tennessee. That's awesome. And like, yeah. and it's like, it, it, it struck me. And that's why I contacted you again. I was like, I think I'm hitting a point where I'm now having a fan base of people coming to flower sounds to see what we're putting out. Yeah. And to see oh, what sure. artists are coming here. And like, that's, what's really exciting now is to work with an artist I love and to like 
see them get new fans out of you know out of the ether or yeah. out of wherever yeah, yeah. it's really exciting that's uh, the really best fun. feeling so you've officially you've hit five years it will be this may and um i I don't know. Well, I'll have to ask you when this podcast comes up. But here's another funny thing I did. I saved um, a copy of each. And I think I have like uh, three of all 10 of the first 10 releases. Wow. So I think I'll put out like a box set to coincide with the release of this episode. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's yeah, great. Another, another silly thing. I was yeah. like, what if I hold on to a few? Smart. And that was a funny. So. Uh, again, like I only put out a hundred copies of each album, so it, initially the idea of like the Discogs mentality of like creating um, scarcity, scarcity exactly, yeah. and so the, and like being able to that was a nice thing to help finance the labels. Like you put your cassette out for five bucks, and then as you sell out, okay, well the rest of the copies are ten bucks. Right. Well, I only got two copies left. Fifteen dollars, yeah, and like they, yeah. they sell, yeah, for sure. And then there it is, and then there it is on Discogs, and I have a fifteen dollar cassette, and yeah. that's kind of cool because yeah. most cassettes are like a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's great. And hanging on to stuff is is smart because, like, when I find a test pressing kicking around, um, I know that I can sell that on Bandcamp Friday for forty bucks, fifty bucks. Like, it's one of five, and when it's gone, it's gone. Totally. There, there's there there are collectors out there like me, super nerds. Yeah, yeah. Love that stuff. Yeah, me too. Uh, so what? Um, like, what does the next five years look like? Are you looking that far? Or are you just really kind of focused on this year? Definitely. Um, I definitely want to. I definitely. I'm having my 14th release uh, coming out in April of 2023. This is artist Ari Ful Ari Fulman Cohen. He's a jazz musician from New York City. He does like loop. Uh, bass stuff. It's oh, beautiful. Cool. It's really excited about that. But I, I think I want to, I, you know, the end result is to one day press vinyl. Yeah. The nice thing to people starting out, of course, cassettes are, there's such a quick turnaround. You can pr pretty much get them like in a month from ordering them. Right. Um, whereas vinyl is like what, nine to nine months to a year yeah. or six. Yeah. You know, it takes yeah. so much longer. Um, so what, I guess I'll share one of my kooky ideas. I, I would look, so, for example, the Lentils, the, the band that I keep talking about, if I ever get to a point where I have enough money in the bank and I can press a vinyl, now that the Lentils have been like, you know, almost a decade of releases, how cool would it be to put out a record of, you know, a compilation of the, like the greatest hits? The greatest hits, yeah. And yeah. that would be a really, because then having a year turnaround, I, I'm, not, I'm not at a level of warp where, you know, you can do all your advertising, you know, going up to the release. Like, there's no way can I do anything like that. Yeah. So if I was to wait that long, how about have a release of something like that that's special where it's like a, a compilation of work? And there's a lot of artists that I can think of that I admire who don't have that. I think like, that's a great hits. idea. And I've thought yeah. about doing that too, because when you look at a, an artist that has like a fairly decent sized discography, you're like, where do I start when it comes to printing this on vinyl? Because if they don't have any vinyl, so like a compilation, because then you know, like you're getting the best songs. Um, Absolutely. And especially for, I mean, that's would be killer for jazz. But yeah, I think it's it's a really cool thing. Yeah, especially yeah, it, and and that way I don't have to worry about yeah 
the 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 turnaround of waiting right nine months for yes. Yeah, it'll be a, it'll a be more timeless, of a timeless project. for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah for exactly. Sure. Yeah, that's so just awesome. one weird idea. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love <laughs> all you. these ideas. Thank you for thank you for sharing them with us, and thank you for like being open and transparent with like the results too, because I think oh, that's the biggest thing. I mean, um, I I almost feel like we need to have like some sort of forum for <laughs> crazy ideas and how they went. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have, I have some more. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll check in with you in a few. Yeah, post uh, them in the Facebook see. group. Absolutely, and um, thank you so much. I gotta say, uh, just a big shout out to your podcast. It's been so much fun. I to listen to the episodes and just and just hearing the conversations and you as interview scotter. You, you, I love the questions you ask. I think you do a really great job. Oh, thank you. Um, I just want to say one more quick story. Uh, sure, I, we keep bringing up Warp Records. When I the the moment that I uh, fell in love with vinyl was the early early two thousands, like around the year two thousand two, and I was like, I was a huge CD collector, and I was like, I think I want to get into records, and I ordered my first records from Warp Records, oh, and they they sent me a free twelve inch of Square Pusher, and like forever I've been obsessed with them, and I thought that was the coolest thing that they just gave me a free record. And and to if you can swing it, I think it's always nice to for your fans to send them free stuff, whether it be stickers. You don't know how, other, how the, the long term yeah. impact that that's going to have. I think that's so much fun. I I, I think it's just like uh, if if you can swing it as a as yeah. a small label. Yeah. And 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 funny enough, like I, the funny thing is sometimes it's necessary. Like I I weirdly do a lot of international sales. And sometimes the cassette's just too small of an envelope. Oh. So I, I sometimes it's necessary to throw in the free cassette. <laughs> just so, for padding. <laughs> just for padding and to send the envelope so you can have yeah. the address on there. Yeah. But yeah, if you can, it's, you know, this is, it's so this true. is fun. Yeah. Send, give, give your fans free stu- as much free stuff as possible, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and, and actually I invested in it. Some really high quality stickers that cost me way more than I thought it was going to cost. But it ended up last, it was a big roll. And it ended up, I just got rid of them. You know, they were maybe yeah. five years old and I just got rid of them. And I gave everybody one or two and sometimes would slap it on the box. It was a good investment. I think so too. Those end up on cars and people's yep. uh, gear cases, and yep. guitars and yep. drum sets. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. These stickers are awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this. It's been great to chat with you. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for making this uh, podcast. I love it. I'm a big fan. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. If you want to follow along with this great label and see how their next campaign goes and to take a look at some of the experiments they've done in the past and the ones that they're going to be doing in the future, go to flowersounds.bandcamp.com. Make sure you follow them on social media and follow them on Bandcamp so you can see what they get up to next. Thank you so much for listening. Come over to our website, otherrecordlabels.com, where you can check out all of our resources and articles for record labels, including all of our books that you can grab in print form as well as in ebook by going to otherrecordlabels.com slash book. 